You are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. Well, good morning, church. Can we just give it up for freedom really quickly? Like, so awesome. Now, I got to hand it to you. You guys were a little bit louder than first service, but I think we can do a little bit better than that. So in a second, I'm going to have Luke mute my mic, and we're going to scream at the top of our lungs for freedom. Uh, one, I just like screaming, and two, <laughs> that, like the freedom that we have in Jesus is the best thing Ever, We would not be where we are today without him. And whether you know that in this place or not, if you, like, if you know that and believe that with all your heart, I just want you to scream at the top of your lungs. Because I don't know about you, but when I went to see Captain America Civil War, mm, I was like, ah, go Team Cap, yes! <laughs> Screaming my lungs out. So thank you, Luke. That was a good point. Um, so on the count of three, we're going to scream as loud as we can for this freedom that we have in Christ. One... Two, three. Woo! Yeah! Woo! Yes! All right. That was awesome. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Man, I love this time of year. Fourth of July is so amazing. Um, and it's even more amazing for us that are Christians because as as we celebrate the freedom that our country has, we get to celebrate the freedom that we have in Jesus. And I know that that's not what this holiday is about, but for us, it becomes something more. Um, and the freedom that we have in Christ because of what he did for us is just so amazing. And so it is so awesome to celebrate that. I love being able to get together with family and friends around this time. Um, and a couple of years ago, this was eight years ago, it was after my first year of college. So that, man, that makes me feel... Woo. Um, eight years ago, first year of college, and it was rough. It was a rough, rough year. I finished my first semester with a 1.2 GPA. Long story, but I am proof that God can redeem anything. And so <laughs> I was in mechanical engineering my first semester, poor decision. I really wanted to be in biblical and religious studies, and so I switched to that my second semester. By the end of my college career, I pulled it up to a 3.0. Um, so... Thank you, thank you. <laughs> it was hard work. Well, my second semester, I got out of academic probation, like pulled my grades up and stuff, because I was like, I got to glorify God in my schoolwork too. I can't just be a lazy bum. So um, I did that, and it, it was hard. It was hard work. And so after that first year of college, I was just wiped out. And so my friends, like, they had this bonfire on the 4th of July. I had already hung out with my family, ate a ton of food. I, like, I'm an expert at eating food, as you can see. Um, and so I did that, and then they were having a bonfire. So I was like, I am there. Like, I love bonfires. The acoustic guitars, the marshmallows, and the making s'mores, like everything. Just fellowship with friends. It's just awesome. So I was there, and somehow, I think this is the best picture that was ever taken of me. Somehow, somebody got a candid picture of me and five of my friends, and it was just like, perfect, beautiful. And so I had just signed up for Facebook at that point, uh, was on there doing my thing. I guess that's what college kids, college kids do. And so I wanted this to be my profile picture. I wanted this to be the thing that everybody saw. But the problem was is that the picture was too long, so I had to crop it 
to make it perfect. Because I consider myself partially OCD. Um, I am not fully OCD. If you saw my room, you would be like, Josh, what are you talking about? Like, you're not OCD at all. There's stuff everywhere. What's going on with you? But when it comes to certain things like profile pictures, they have to look perfect. At least to me. If I think it looks good, then I'm, I'm good with it. But if it is not cropped perfectly and not in there centered and all that stuff, it just like, it's like torture to me. And so I had to go through this thought process in my mind. Do I crop this picture and cut out two of my best friends? Or do I go through torture every single time I look at my profile picture? So of course I was selfish and went with uh, cropping them out. Not gonna go with torture. So I cropped them out and I was like, it's no big deal. Like we're all good, like we're good friends. We're good enough to the point that they're not gonna take any offense to it. Little do I know, an hour, an hour later, my one friend texted me. He was like, bruh, how you gonna crop me out your profile picture? Like, I thought we was cool. And I was like, oh, <laughs> sorry, bro. Me not being tortured is more important than you feeling good about yourself right now. Um, and so we got over it. We were like beefing with each other for like a day. And then everything got cooled over. It was smoothed over and it was okay. The other friend didn't really care. He was cool. But this one was like real, like just messed up about it. I don't know. So I cropped him out, and that is our sermon series. Cropped, is Jesus in your picture? Is Jesus in your picture? And so we crop more than just pictures. Um, We use that term primarily for pictures, but there are things that we crop out of our lives that are more than pictures. And so over this sermon series, we are going to talk about a few of those specific areas, but today we are focusing on Jesus, which affects all of the other areas of our lives. And so, is Jesus in your picture? Because unfortunately, we tend to crop him out a lot. And it, it becomes easy to crop Jesus out because we live in a world that doesn't like to be held to the standards of the Bible. We live in a world that doesn't want to be held to a higher standard. And so when we try to live at a higher standard, sometimes that's offensive to people. I have had some of my friends that don't follow Christ come up to me at certain points and say like, hey, do you want to go and do this? Do you want to do this? And I'm like, dude, I got to decline. Like, if you want to, you go ahead. I don't own your life. But like, I just can't do that. And I'm not even like putting them down. I'm not bashing them. I'm not acting higher than them or any of that like... Uh, greater than thou stuff, all that. Like, I'm just like, I just can't. I can't. Uh, and they're like all offended. Like, what? You think you're better than us? You think all that? And I'm like, did I say that? Are those the words that came out of my mouth? Because I didn't think so. Um, but they get offended because they don't want to be held to that standard. And when you hold yourself to a higher standard because you love Jesus, it gets difficult. So sometimes instead of holding ourselves to that standard, we tend to crop God out of those specific areas in our lives. Um, And it gets difficult to follow him, and especially in this day and age, when not only people who don't follow Christ are cropping Jesus out of areas of their lives, of course, because they don't want anything to do with him, but the church is now starting to crop God out of certain areas of our everyday lives. There are things that are clearly stated in scripture that we should do or should abstain from that churches are just like, oh, this doesn't matter anymore. This is obsolete. You don't have to follow this anymore. You don't have to do this. You can crop this part out of your life. So not only do you have people that don't follow Christ pressuring you to crop Jesus out of your life, you have the church that is supposed to be one body united in Christ telling you to crop essential things from scripture 
essential things that please God out of your life. And it gets difficult. I was talking to my mom about this, and she said that she knew a guy that went to church simply because he knew the senior pastor was dealing with sins in his life that he had no intention of getting rid of, no intention of fixing, and he himself was struggling with those same sins. And so instead of trying to get accountability, instead of trying to deal with those things and walk with somebody in that and get better, he just went to that church because it made him feel good about himself. And he could crop Jesus out of that area of his life and not be held accountable and everything would just be fine. Or so he thought. That is the type of world that we live in today. We live in a world that has moved away from scripture for a man-made religion that is highly customizable and a lot less offensive. Because when you think about it, scripture is offensive. The message of the gospel is offensive because to hear that you, yourself, and your own power are not good enough, that's offensive. I remember I used to cut lawns with my dad and uh, I love him. He's such a great man. He was so patient with me, but I would cut lawns with him and we would like be messing with the lawnmowers, cleaning stuff up, doing stuff. And I would always want to do it my way. And he'd come over and he'd try to show me his way, which is of course quicker, but I'm like... Yo, dad, I got it. Like, chill. It's going to be all right. And so I'm trying to do it my way. And then my way doesn't work. And then he comes over and shows me his way. And it works just like that. And he's like, see, like, wasn't that easier? And he was never mean about it. He wasn't like, I told you so. But he was always like, see, son, isn't that better? I'm like, yeah, but my way would have worked eventually. Like, I got offended. He, he obviously was right. His way was better. But I couldn't do it on my own. I needed his expertise to be able to get through those things. Um, and the same is true with the gospel, with Jesus. We need Jesus in order to go through life. We cannot do this life on our own. We cannot do this life in our own strength and in our own power. And so that is offensive. That is offensive to know that I need something greater than myself to be able to complete this life, that I myself am not good enough to be able to do this. But that's also beautiful. When you understand that Jesus loves you so much that he was willing to die on the cross and raise to life again for you to be able to be reconciled with him and spend a beautiful eternity with him. That is beautiful. And that is amazing. And that turns the gospel from something offensive into something wonderful. And that brings me to this first point, which I hope sticks with you for the rest of your life I am like, I'm super excited about this. It is, don't be a cropper, okay? <laughs> don't be a cropper. Do not crop Jesus out of your life. We cannot, we cannot go through this life without him. We cannot do this life without him. He is so essential to life. If our life is a picture, Jesus should be in the center of it. Jesus should be at the center. Instead of cropping him out like I did my two friends, we need to put him in. And not only put him in off to the side or in the background, he needs to be front and center for the whole entire world to see because life is more beautiful. Life is most beautiful with Jesus in it. And so if you're a believer in here today, if you follow Christ, be encouraged by that. Because life gets crazy sometimes, and life is not always as we think it should be. It doesn't always go the way that we want it to go. But if you do it with Jesus, it is the best. 
and it is the most beautiful thing ever, and he has got your back. And if you're in here today and you are not a follower of Christ, and Jesus is not everything in your life, I encourage you to figure out what life in Christ is like, to talk to people that truly, genuinely love Jesus, because it is the best thing that you will ever experience, and it is the best decision that you will ever make to follow Jesus with everything that you have. The best. There is nothing greater than that. And so we're going to see what scripture has to say about cropping Jesus out of your life or keeping him in it. And we're going to go to John chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. And as you guys turn there, I'm just going to pray really quickly because this is some heavy stuff, but this is so good. It is so good and so necessary. So Jesus, we come before you and we thank you so much for your word that you have given to us so that we could know you more so that we can go through this life, not in our own strength, but in the strength that you have given to us. So I pray that we would be encouraged as we read these verses, God. That whether we are a follower of you or you are not yet a part of our lives, I pray that these verses would illuminate something to us that we have never known before, that we have never seen before, and that we would interpret these scriptures through you, through your lenses, through your eyes, and set our own biases aside. And we thank you so much for the opportunity to do this. And in your name we pray, amen. So John chapter 15, and we're gonna read verses one through eight to start. And it says, I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that does, doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. Remain in Jesus. Remain in Jesus. And you might be asking yourself, what does it look like to remain in Jesus? Well, if you want to know, go to scripture to find out. Because I don't have enough time to explain to you all that it means to remain in Jesus. But if you go to scripture, God will give you the tools that you need to be able to remain in him. He has given this to us. We should follow his word. We should follow his scriptures with everything that we have, not cropping things out, not taking out the areas that we don't like and picking and choosing the ones that we do. No, we, we need to get to know the scriptures that our God has given us. Because if he truly means that much to us, then we will truly seek out everything that he has given us in his word. If you want to know what it look like, looks like to remain in Jesus, be a regular part of a godly church community. Be a regular part of it, wherever it is. If it's here, awesome. If it's another church that's truly preaching the gospel, awesome, because we're supposed to be united in Christ anyways. 
but get somewhere, get plugged in and fellowship with believers. Because like Alaska said earlier, it is beautiful. It is such a privilege to worship with all of you, to worship with other people that know Jesus gave me everything that I have and I am going to give him all that I have. And I'm going to lay it all down at the cross because of what he did for me. That is a beautiful thing. And when you do that with other people that are following Jesus like you are, it becomes a lot, a lot harder to crop Jesus out of your life. If you want to know what it means to remain in Jesus, get accountability. Have people in your life that regularly hold you accountable. I cannot tell you how much my life changed after I got godly men and women in my life to say, hey, Josh, you're messing up right now. Like, you need to get it together because I see some things in your life that you know aren't right and I'm gonna call you out on it and I'm gonna sit you down in love and tell you this is wrong. Get it together. What steps do we need to take to get you through this and to help you with this? And that's awesome. That is so cool to know that there are people on your side, in your corner, that are willing to be there for you and to walk this life with you. Get accountability. And lastly, which this kind of encompasses everything, to know what it looks like to remain in Jesus, spend time with him. Spend time with Jesus. Because it's going to be pretty hard to have a close relationship with someone if you're not spending time with them. If you don't know them, we are supposed to be as intimate with Jesus as possible. We are supposed to be closest to God than we are to anyone or anything else. And if we're not, then something's wrong. Something went wrong somewhere. Something's off. Just imagine the closest person to you here on earth. If you treated them like we sometimes treat Jesus, it would be really hard to be close to them because you wouldn't be spending time with them every day. Sometimes you're spending time with them would be hearing things about them from other people from now, every now and then, once a week, every Sunday. My best friend, I could not imagine not spending time with him and getting to know him and just knowing what I know about him from what somebody else has told me once a week about him. But oftentimes that's what we do to God. We don't spend time with him on our own. We go to church and we trust what our pastor says. We trust what other people have said about Jesus, which is great. And that's all fine and good. And prayerfully, they are telling you the truth. But you need to get to know him yourself. Spend time with him on your own. Because that is important. Scripture says to be holy as God is holy. And when I was a kid, that freaked me out so much because I just saw holiness as perfectness, just being perfect. If you were holy, you were perfect. God was holy, God's perfect, so I just automatically equated the two. And I was just like, I'm failing. I can't do this. Like, I'm supposed to be perfect. I just lied to my mom and dad like two seconds ago. So like, oh my gosh. It like blew my mind as a kid. And I finally found out, somebody finally explained to me that to be holy means to be set apart. And God is perfectly set apart. I learned in college that if something is said three times in the Hebrew language, that it means that it is perfectly that thing. And scripture says that God is holy, holy, holy. So he is perfectly holy. But we can be holy even though we are not perfect. We can be holy in God's strength. We can be set apart in God's strength. And that is how we are supposed to be. 
We are supposed to be set apart from this world, in this world, but not of it. And we've got to figure out what that means and how to do that. There's this book called The Hole in Our Holiness by Kevin DeYoung. And this book is so deep and heavy that I could only get through the first chapter. That's how good this book is. Um, And I'm trying to get through the rest of it, but the first chapter just destroyed me. Like it it ripped me apart in such a good way and in such a wonderful way. But I'm going to read part of this for you. And before I do that, I need you to do me a favor and I need you to look to the person next to you and say, brace yourself. (laughs) Yeah, you're going to need it. Trust me. (laughs) All right. So Kevin DeYoung says, so, nope, there we go. That's the right part. (laughs) I should have marked it on here before I started reading it. Here we go. So Kevin DeYoung says, no matter what you profess, if you show disregard for Christ by giving yourself over to sin impenitently and habitually, then heaven is not your home. Holiness is written on everything in heaven. And nothing unholy can enter into this heaven. Even if you could enter heaven without holiness, what would you do? What joy would you feel there? What holy man or woman of God would you sit down with for fellowship? Their pleasures are not your pleasures. Their character is not your character. What they love, you do not love. If you dislike a holy God now, why would you want to be with him forever? If worship does not capture your attention at present, what makes you think it will thrill you in some heavenly future? If ungodliness is your delight here on earth, what will please you in heaven where all is clean and pure? You would not be happy there if you are not holy here. Or as Spurgeon put it, sooner could a fish live upon a tree than the wicked in paradise. Take a deep breath. Um, Man, every time I read that, it gets me. Every time I read that, it hits home. Because it is so true. I think a lot of times we want to go to heaven because it's much better than the alternative. Nobody wants to suffer for all eternity, so obviously heaven's going to be the choice. But we should choose heaven because Jesus is there. Heaven should be our home because God is there, not because we don't get to suffer. God is the greatest thing that we will ever experience. And if he truly encompasses our life, that includes every single part. And if we are Christians, we as Christians are truly following him, we're going to seek everything, every opportunity that we can to follow him and give him everything that we have because it's so important. And we don't do this in our own strength. We do it in his strength. We are able to be holy because God is holy. And because God gives us the strength to be holy, we can be set apart from the things of this world. Remain in Jesus in his entirety. So now we're going to go to John chapter 15, verses 9 through 11, right after the verses that we just read. And it reads, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. 
remain in God's love. Remain in his love, the love that comes only from him. I think a lot of people tend to crop God out of their life completely or out of certain areas of their life because they don't understand his love in its entirety. A lot of times, and I have been a victim of this, we tend to interpret God's love through the love of other people. So you could have the best parents in the world. You could have the best spouse in the world. You could have the best friends in the world, but their love will never compare to God's love. They will fail you at some point. They will fail you. My family, I love them. I have failed them and I will fail them because I am not God. My love is not God's love. I do not love them perfectly and unconditionally. I try, but I don't all the time. God loves us unconditionally. We cannot interpret his love through the lens or actions of other people. There's a friend that I have at work and where I work, we ship out a ton of Christian material, a ton of books, all this stuff. But some of the stuff that we send out isn't all that up to par with the gospel. And I'm not going to mention any of these authors' names or anything because I'm not here to bash anyone. But somewhere along the way, they have strayed from the true message of the gospel and become about their own profit and their own gain. And it's easy for people when they are Christians to see that. But people that aren't following Christ see it as well. And that turns them off from following Christ. And so I was talking to this guy and he was like, man, some of this stuff that I see in here, some of these books, some of these people, I know they're in it just for profit. And I agreed with him. You can tell by their actions that they are in it for profit. And he was like, it's just turning me off to this whole Christianity thing. Like, I just want nothing to do with, with this when these people can be a part of it and they're clearly leading people astray. And I was like, I understand, like it hurts me too because I'm a Christian and it hurts to see people be led astray and then lead other people astray as well because somewhere they got it wrong. But they are not God. They are not the God that I serve. They're not the ones who was nailed to a cross and died for my sins. They didn't do that for me. Jesus did that for me. So I cannot interpret God through their actions. I cannot interpret God through the love that they display because his love is in its own category and we will never experience anything like it unless it comes from him. Remain in God's love and understand the beauty of God's love. It is amazing to me to think that God would care about me, would love me when I have nothing to offer him, when I have sinned against him and basically spat in his face, that he would endure the cross for me, that he would raise to life for me so that I, someone who has nothing to offer him, could spend eternity with him. That makes no sense to me, but it is the best thing ever. It is so beautiful to know that there is a God out there that cares about me that way, and he cares about you so 
much. He cares about you the same way. He died on the cross for me and he died on the cross for you. He raised to life for me and he raised to life for you. And I still have nothing to give him. My actions cannot repay what he did, but he still wants me. He doesn't need me, but he wants me. He doesn't need you, but he wants you. That is the beauty of God's love. He chose you. It says in John 15, verse 16, in the first part of that verse, that you didn't choose me, I chose you. That is what Jesus says. Jesus is the one that chose to make the disciples fishers of men. He went out and he got them and he made them fishers of men. He changed their lives because he chose them. And in Revelation chapter three, verse 20, it says, look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Jesus loves us unconditionally. He chooses us confidently and waits for us patiently. That is the God that we serve and that is the love that we get from him. It's beautiful. Remain in that love. And now we're gonna read from John 15, verses 18 and 19. And it says, if the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. The world would love you as one of its own if you belonged to it, but you are no longer part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world so that it hates you. Remain apart from the world. The world will hate you. Holy crap. The world will hate you. I've been waiting to say that. <laughs> Man, I did it in first service. This one was way better. <laughs> Woo! Holy crap, man. The world will hate you. That is a huge statement. That is big because I think the church has strayed away from scripture so much because it is offensive to people that we don't want the world to hate us anymore. We want the world to love us and accept us. And so we try to love and accept as much as we possibly can. But that's not the way that it is supposed to be. And I am not telling you to be a jerk. I am not saying be one of those people that stands outside of abortion clinics with the sign that God hates you. No, do not be that person because Jesus would never do that. Jesus would love, but Jesus loved while remaining in the truth, while staying true to who he was. And that is what we have to do. That is the standard that we are called to as people that love God. And if you are in here today and you don't follow Christ and you have been hurt by the church, I apologize for the church members that have hurt you, that have been rude with you or spoken to you in a way that they should not have out of love. I apologize for that because the gospel may be offensive, but it is not ignorant and it is not rude. Jesus understands and Jesus knows and Jesus loves but Jesus also cannot accept anything that is outside of him. Anything that is sin is not meant to be accepted. And that is why we as Christians, even though we struggle, even though we will fail, we have to be set apart. And we have to understand that the world's just going to hate us sometimes. 
but that's okay. Because if you don't live the life that you are supposed to live in Christ, people are not going to know the God that you serve. And if they don't know the God that you serve, then they will not spend an eternity in bliss with Jesus forever. We have to be different. We should deal with crisis differently than other people. When we're hurt and when we're wronged by other people, we need to deal with that differently. Jesus, instead of cropping him out of certain areas of our lives, needs to be a part of every area of our life. We need to include him in everything, the way that we dress, the way that we talk, the way that we act, every single thing he needs to be a part. We're going to be in this world. We are going to be in areas of this world that don't necessarily have to do with church. But we need to be different while we're in those areas and people need to see those differences and they are either going to reject us for it or they are going to accept it and make one of the greatest decisions that they have ever made in their lives. And you can have the privilege of being a part of that, being a part of God's plan in somebody else's life. Remain in Jesus and remain in his love. I have never seen a love more potent than God's on the cross, but I have also never seen a hate more strong than the hate that came from the people that put him there. He loved so deeply and so unconditionally, and even in light of that, he was still hated. And if they hated him, if we follow and serve him, we'll have to deal with some of that as well. But it's okay. It is okay. People that follow Jesus, it is okay. Be encouraged. God has got your back. And if you don't follow Christ yet and that kind of scares you, what I just said is kind of freak you, freaking you out, be at ease and know that this life in Christ is worth it. That if things like that are keeping you away from making the decision for Jesus to be your everything, it is worth it. Follow Christ. So the thing today is to learn to remain. Learn what it means to remain in Jesus, to remain in God's love, and to remain apart from the world, but still be able to impact it. This is one of the most important things that you can do as a Christian. So important. And along with that, one of the most important questions that you can ask yourself as a Christian is what will you crop in order to remain? What will you crop out of your life in order to remain in Jesus? So important. So important. I'm going to ask the band to come back up as we flesh out this question a little bit. And I'm going to bring back that term, holy crop, because I love it so much. <laughs> Cropping can be good or bad. If we're cropping Jesus out of our lives, bad, not good at all. But if we are cropping things out of our life that are not pleasing to God, that is good. And I call that a holy crop. 
So we've got to do a holy crop in our lives. We have got to get the stuff out that is not pleasing to God, but do not try and attempt that in your own strength. Do it with God. Do it with Jesus. It is the best thing that you will ever do. If you follow Christ already, be encouraged in that. If you don't follow him, I hope that you are considering it because it's the best decision you will ever make. The best. There is nothing greater than living life in Christ. And a great way to be reminded of why and how we remain in Jesus is communion, which we're gonna take today. So I'm gonna dismiss the ushers and you guys can go ahead and get communion ready and they're gonna pass it out to you during this next song. And I want you to hold on to those elements because Donnie Marsh is going to come back up after this next worship song and he is going to lead you through communion. And communion is such a great way to be reminded of what Jesus did for us, to be reminded of why we remain in him. He's so good. He is the best. He is amazing. And he died on the cross and raised to life for us so that we could have life in him for all eternity. That is the greatest gift ever. And that is the greatest freedom that we could ever celebrate every single day that we live on this earth. So I pray that you will be reminded of that constantly. Not just when we take communion, not just when you are at church, but every single day. And I pray that you will ask yourself the hard questions so that you're not cropping Jesus out of any area of your life. But you are following him in the strength that he has given you to be able to do so. And if you don't know Christ this morning, I encourage you to talk to one of the leaders in the church or the person who brought you or even myself and find out why life in Christ is so great, why it is so worth it because it is the best thing that you will ever do. And I stand by that wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly. So let's pray. And then you're going to get the communion elements and then you're going to save them. And Donnie's going to come up and lead us through it. And I pray that you will remember as you partake of it. Jesus, we thank you so much for who you are and for all that you are doing in our lives. And I pray that you would be an essential part of our lives, that every day that we live, we would follow you and serve you and live in the freedom that you give and the strength that you bring. I pray that we would know that we are free from all condemnation because of what you have done. And it is so beautiful to live in that freedom. So God, we thank you so much. And we pray these things in your precious name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.